healing. It brings peace. It leads to the flourishing of your children. So help us to listen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 29, the title of the sermon, The Voice of the Lord. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild, young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you know what that is a picture of? Yeah, you know what that is. That's a tornado. But do you know what type of tornado that is? That is a picture of an F5 tornado, the most severe and strongest form of tornado. Do you know what the nickname is for that tornado, that particular type, an F5 tornado, anyone? The nickname is the finger of God. And you can see it, right, in the image. Think about the power of heaven coming to touch the earth. It looks like the finger of God, and it has the power of the finger of God. Thanks, guys, for that picture. You can take it down. Storms like tornadoes or thunderstorms, they're mighty, they're powerful, they are awe-inspiring events. I don't know about you, but I can remember being a child in bed at night when those big thunderstorms would roll through and you'd see that flash of lightning and you'd count in between until that clap of thunder. And sometimes the thunder was so severe that the walls of your house would shake and there would be a moment of fear or it would catch you or you jump out of bed even today sometimes. In the middle of a night when a clap of thunder comes out of nowhere, it rouses you from your sleep. It's no wonder that ancient people looked at the storms and saw them as something that the gods brought because the heavens roar and the finger of God touched the earth. And that was certainly true for the people of the ancient Near East. They too, when a storm came, they heard the voice of the gods. Israel's neighbors, particularly the Canaanites, they had a storm god, a god dedicated to the storm, the god Baal. 
And if you look at Canaanite art, you'll see him depicted with a lightning bolt in his hand. And Baal was pretty impressive. But he couldn't hold a candle to Yahweh, to the God of Israel, to the one true God. Because you see, the true God, the God of Israel, the God spoken of here in Psalm 29, has something more awe-inspiring than a storm, something more powerful than lightning and thunder, and that is His voice, His Word. God speaks. He is the God who speaks, and that is His power. And this psalm is about that. It's about the voice of the Lord. And this sermon is about that. It's about the voice of the Lord. And I want you to see two things this morning. About the powerful, mighty, majestic, and glorious voice of our Lord. I want you to see the power of that voice. The power of it. And I want you to see the proper response to it. The power of it and the proper response to the voice of the Lord. Let's look at the first of those, the power of his voice. Now, one does not need to be a biblical scholar to recognize that this psalm is about the voice of the Lord. Seven times in this psalm, you will find the phrase, the voice of the Lord. And we all know, we know that seven is that number of biblical perfection. This is about the voice of the Lord. But it's particularly about the power of that voice. That's the main focus, that this voice is powerful. And you see that expressly stated in verses 3 and 4. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. That's the psalmist's main point. The voice of the Lord is powerful. But the psalmist is not content to simply tell us that fact. He wants to show us that fact. He wants to illustrate to us the power of the Lord's voice. And the way he does that is by likening the voice of the Lord to a storm. To a storm. And you see it throughout the text. And particularly you see that it is geographically focused when he does this. That he has a particular place in mind, a particular target, if you will, for this powerful storm that is the voice of the Lord. In verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of where? Of Lebanon. In verse 6, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young ox. Syrian is another name for Mount Hermon, that great and majestic mountain found in Lebanon. And then in verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. That too is likely the wilderness of northern Lebanon, Kadesh, the wilderness of Kadesh. You see the focus. The focus is on Lebanon. The psalmist likens the power of God's voice to a storm that hits and strikes Lebanon, breaking and shaking the entire nation. Put up that map, if you will, uh, my guys there in the booth. 
This is a map showing the geography of this psalm, of where these storms are hitting. And you can see it there, that verse 5, the storm that hits the cedars is there on the coast of Lebanon. In verse 6, the storm hits Mount Hermon in the south of Lebanon. And then in verse 8, the storm hits the wilderness of Kadesh in northern Lebanon. You get the picture, all of it. The entire nation saturated with the voice of the Lord, the storm of the Lord. Guys, you could take that down. Now, why is the Lord's, why is the psalmist so fixated on Lebanon? What's the big deal? It's because in Lebanon, much like in Canaan, the, there was a worship of the god Baal. There was an attribute, attributing to Baal the power of the storms. And so the psalmist here gives forth a polemic against Baal worship. And he's not giving it to Lebanon. He's giving it to the people of Israel. Don't attribute the power of God to the wrong voice. Don't listen to the wrong voice. Because only the voice of the Lord is powerful. Powerful enough to strip the forest bare. The power of the voice of the Lord. And consider that this morning, beloved. Consider how the scriptures over and over again, like a repetitive drumbeat, tell us that truth. That the voice of the Lord is powerful. His voice is so powerful, he spoke the universe into existence. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. His voice is so powerful, it spoke the ten words of the moral law into existence. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. His voice is so powerful that he gave us the very word of God in the Son, in Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And on the day of the word's baptism, the heavens opened, and out of the heavens came the booming, mighty, glorious voice of the Lord, saying of this one called the word of God. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. You get the point, right? The voice of the Lord is powerful. That's what this psalm tells us. Now the question comes up, is what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us? How do we apply this idea into our lives as modern day believers walking through our world in this time, in the here and now? What does this mean for us? Well, that brings me to my second point. We've seen the power of the voice of the Lord. My second point is the proper response to his voice. And I think that response is twofold. And I think in this application, in this response, we find relevant application. Application that is apropos for this week that has been so tumultuous for all of us. Two points here. The proper response to his voice. The first one is this. Knowing his voice is powerful 
we should listen to him. We should listen to him. If God's voice is this mighty voice, this mighty and powerful voice, we should listen to him. Words have consequences. What voices you listen to matter to your life and to your walk with God. My greatest regrets in my life have come from listening to the wrong voices. Voices of others telling me to do wrong things. And voices within myself, my own self-centeredness, my own selfishness. That is what has led me down a path into sin in my life. The voices that you listen to matter. In our time... In our age, right now, there is a cacophony of voices, right? Never before has humanity been bombarded with the amount of voices that we are hearing in this present age. We have never experienced this. We have created technology that we have not yet adapted to as humans. Never before could you hear this much and all the time unfettered, unedited, unfact-checked on social media, YouTube, podcast, streaming services, 24-7, cable news, the advent of social media. In my mind, the advent of social media is just as dangerous as the advent of atomic weapons. They both have the power to destroy. There are a lot of voices out there, and it's important for us as Christians to be discerning about the voices we are listening to, to not listen to the wrong voices. That was what Israel's problem was. I already mentioned they have this polemic against Baal, but that didn't go out to Lebanon. It went to the people of Israel because the people of Israel were tempted to listen to the wrong voices, to attribute God's power to the wrong places, to Baal. And the psalmist is saying, don't do that. Listen to the voice of the Lord, for he is powerful. And his voice is true. It's true. In an age where so much is said, where we can't agree on truth, the Lord's voice is truth. The scriptures are true. And God calls us to listen to him. And not just part of what he has to say, because that's what we're really good at. He wants us to hear everything, all of it, all of what he has to say to us. There's a song by Simon and Garfunkel. I love Simon and Garfunkel. They have a song, The Boxer. It goes like this. I am just a poor boy, though my story seldom told. I've squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles. Such are promises, all lies and jest. Still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. That's how we interact with Scripture. Too many times, and I'm guilty of it too. We gauge in a selective hearing of the voice of the Lord. We need to listen to the Lord, to listen to his voice. A man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. 
My point is this. Psalm 29 calls on the believer to take a hearing test. To ask ourselves, am I listening to the voice of the Lord? Am I listening to the voice of the Lord? Or am I listening to the wrong voices? And I really want to challenge you. And I want to challenge myself to take that hearing test. To be honest with ourselves about the voices to which we are listening. Let's all, everyone, take this hearing test. And maybe to do that, we need to start to tune out other voices. Maybe there's just too much noise. So we can take this hearing test. Maybe it's time. Maybe this Lent, this Lenten season, is a time to fast from certain things. To detox, if you will, from the voices around us. Test yourself. Can you do it? Can you give up Facebook and Twitter and those things? Can you do that, even for a period of time, even for Lent? Can you stop? Can you turn it off? Can you pause and listen to the voice of the Lord and take out all of the noise? Test your addiction. That's how you test an addiction. You take a time away from it and you see if you can live without it. Or at least this. Maybe during Lent you commit yourself to posting pictures of your puppies or your kids or your vacation or whatever and not engage in the toxic garbage, the cesspool of toxicity that is becoming our social discourse. Ask yourself, is this leading to human flourishing? Is this bringing wellness to me and to others? Take a hearing test. And you say to me, well, how do I know I'm listening to God's voice? How do I know it's the voice of the Lord? Pastor, how do I know that? Well, one surefire way is to read your Bible. That's an un, you know, unfettered, unmitigated, you know, unfiltered voice of the Lord. You want to hear God's voice? Read your scriptures. Read the Bible. You want to hear God's voice? Listen to biblical preaching. But do your fact-checking, even with me. <laughs> I'm not infallible. And no preacher is. Be Bereans. Search. Do your fact-checking. Do it by the standard of the Scriptures. If it's not found there, it's not the voice of the Lord. There's too much selective preaching going on in the pulpits of our country. Posturing in the pulpit. If you want to hear the voice of the Lord, consider this. When you're listening to something, consider this. Is this voice saying something that challenges me? Or is it saying something that simply agrees with me? If all the voices you are listening to agree with you, you are not hearing the voice of the Lord. You're not hearing it. Because i got to tell you, every time Jesus entered a conversation, he challenged people, no matter where they were. They could be a Pharisee, or they could be a woman at a well. If the voices you are listening to never challenge you, if they always agree with you, you are not hearing the voice of the Lord. Because God challenges his people. 
Tim Keller put it this way, if God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Does God ever disagree with you? Anne Lamott put it this way, you can safely assume you've, you've cracked, sorry, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image. When it turns out that, the, that God hates all the same people you do. Is that the voice you're hearing? Those bad people. If God is 100% aligned with the people that you hate, is telling you to hate those people, you are not listening to the voice of the Lord. Because I never found hate in the voice of Jesus Christ. Take the hearing test. Let us take that test together. Point number one. If the voice of the Lord is powerful, let's listen to Him. Let's listen to the voice of the Lord. And my second and final point of application. Knowing how powerful the Lord's voice is, we should have confidence. We should have confidence in Him. In Him. This past week, I heard from a lot of people. And I asked a few people, what, what do you want to hear from your pastor this week? What do you want me to get up in the pulpit and say this particular Sunday? And the most frequent response I got to that was, Pastor, give me hope. Give me comfort. Give me confidence in my God. That's what this point does. Knowing how powerful the Lord's voice is, we should have confidence in Him. Here's where we find our comfort, our confidence, our hope. Verses 10 and 11. Listen to these verses. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Isn't that interesting that the psalmist goes back to the flood of Noah, goes back to a time of a tumultuous storm, an apocalyptic event that brought chaos to this world. And the psalmist says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood, over the chaos of that moment. Do you see the point? The point he is making is that God is in control, even in the midst of chaos, even when it feels overwhelming, even when you feel flooded by disaster and catastrophe, the Lord sits enthroned over it all. And many of us feel flooded. Many of us feel overwhelmed. The water is up to our neck, but the Lord sits enthroned. Even over this big hot mess that we're all living through right now. The Lord sits enthroned. Remember that. Baal doesn't sit enthroned over the flood. God does. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And don't forget what happened after the flood. Don't forget... The rain stopped. 
And the waters eventually receded. And dry land appeared. And God made all things new. He's still on the throne. He still sits enthroned over our hearts, over this world. And we need to cling to that. As the people of God, we need to cling to that. And particularly in the weeks ahead, he's still on the throne. Even when the waters are rising, our confidence is found in him. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And that's why we can have this confidence. Do you believe that anymore? Do you believe the Lord's voice is powerful? Do you? <laughs> if you do, what did they say in the temple? When they saw this power of the mighty voice of God, what did they cry? They cried glory. Do you believe the Lord's voice is powerful? If you do, cry glory. Glory. I know you're reformed. <laughs> it's be a lot easier with Baptists and Pentecostals. The voice is the of the Lord is powerful, and the people in the temple, they all cried, glory. At home, cry glory. Because God is your confidence. His voice is powerful. And what we need to do right now is to listen to the voice of Jesus. Listen to the voice of Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the heavens opened a second time, just like at Jesus' baptism. And here's what the voice of God said to his people. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord, help us to hear your voice. Let us hear it among all the competing voices crying out to grab hold of our hearts and minds. Let us turn down the volume and hear you speak to your people. Because we need your comfort. We need your strength. We need the power of your voice right now. Help us to listen to Christ. And not just to listen, to follow him. To follow him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.